So, Rachel. Yeah. An alien force drives the crew of the Enterprise into brutal conflict with the Klingons. Uh oh. What do you think you're going to get? Maybe they'll be driven via a distress call into the neutral zone again, and that'll cause conflict. Mm -hmm. It could be peaceful aliens who refuse to defend themselves, and they'll be destroyed or taken advantage of if they don't, so Kirk decides to defend them. Mm. Might be a space battle after on-planet negotiations. There's my pitch. All right. That's what I'm going for. Let's see if you're right. Rachel watches Star Trek. Report, Mr. Chekhov. Full scan. Results negative. Radiation level normal. Atmosphere and terrain are undisturbed. No evidence of a colony nor any residual after effect of a forest that might have annihilated it. Live readings, Dr. McCoy? Nothing. They said they were being attacked by an unidentified ship. Which we were unable to detect upon approach. An entire human colony. A whole settlement. 100 men, women, and children. Who did it? Why? Why folks always dropping on colonies? Oh, what you mean, dying? Well, dropping on them, you know, like giving them bad stuff to deal with. Oh. Or, or killing them, I guess, really, yeah. is what's going on. That talk about colony destruction is from the original series of Star Trek, the episode titled Day of the Dove. And that's what we're going to talk about here on... Rachel Watches Star Trek. I'm Rachel Lackey. And I'm Chris Lackey. So this episode begins with the Enterprise crew getting a distress call and beaming down to the planet. It's Kirk McCoy, Chekhov, and Johnson, who's a red shirt. No Spock? Yeah, that must be really hard for both of them <laughs> to be apart from each other I like know, that. I know, yeah. There are pink fronds waving in the breeze so we know it's an alien planet. <laughs> they find no evidence of a colony and no evidence of any kind of attack. Opposite of usual. So McCoy says that they were attacked by an unidentified ship. In the original script, I thought this was interesting. They said it would, they were heading back to Earth for a peace day celebration. Oh. And that is a holiday that celebrates the ending of all wars on Earth. Oh, that's bold. Yeah. Wow, that's a bit of an assumption to make, isn't it? Well, reading that just kind of made me a little, you know, a little bit clump. That's like, oh. that's an idea that could happen that on planet Earth, there'd be no more wars because everybody could figure out how to live with each other. Yeah. You're so beautiful. What a cool idea. Aw. So back on the Enterprise, a Klingon battlecruiser shows up, but it's drifting and it's damaged. A team of Klingons beams down to the planet. Oh, wow, the makeup. Yeah, it's a bunch of brown face. Really gone for it this time. But the thing is, they don't seem to know about powder. Yeah, wow, it's uh, grease paint. It's so greasy. It, they look really slimy. Their skin looks really uncomfortable, really and hot. I don't know why they didn't powder them, because mm. they have african-american actors they so they have darker powder or translucent mm. powder that they can use for those types of things so yeah. why didn't they powder these guys oh forget the the brown up. up that's bad they've gone intense with it this time too they got a lot of facial hair and eyebrows too the klingon that's their that's bag their so the leader king is played by michael and sarah it was originally supposed to be core again oh. but the actor john kolikos uh, had other filming obligations so Kang and the gang get the jump on Kirk and company, and Kang just runs up and sucker punches Kirk out of nowhere. Ooh, things are going to go down. Kang seems to blame them for the death of over 400 crew members. Ooh, Kirk just lies there taking it as he shouts at him. 
That's something you don't see every day. Yeah, I think he's just kind of taken back by the whole thing. Meanwhile, some light being or something is hovering and glowing in the background. Yeah, nobody seems to notice it. Kank claims that the Enterprise is now his, and he demands that Kirk beam them all up to the Enterprise. Kirk tells Kang to go to the devil. We have no devil, he says, but we're very good at torturing to death. Ah! (laughs) So Kang tells Kirk that the Klingons have obeyed the treaty for the past three years, though the treaty was actually only signed a year ago. (laughs) (laughs) He also says they obeyed it to the letter, but what about that creeping Tribbles? Well, yeah, of course, they've done a lot of shady things. But Kirk says that the Klingons destroyed the colony with some kind of new weapon. And Kang says, dude, where are your bodies? Where are the ruins? Where are they, actually? Mm. Kirk says that the Klingons must have a new weapon and somehow it destroys everything. Except pink fronds. Yeah, and the Federation doesn't do sneak attacks. Mm. So Kang decides that he's only going to get what he wants by being rough. So he puts an agonizer on Chekhov and he turns it up to one, maybe Two? I don't know. Chekhov, <laughs> he's very weak. So Aww, he just caves. Eh, just look at him. Aww. Remember the time when he got freaked out by an old dead person? <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> Poor Jack. He's a lover, not a fighter. They have agonizers? I thought that was only in the mirror universe. No, Klingons use them too. Because they're mean. Oh. They use them on each other too as part of their like getting tough. Ooh. Yeah. In Next Generation, there's a whole bit where Worf, one of the main Klingon characters of the series, he has to go through this initiation ritual where a bunch of dudes just agonize him. Oh, come yeah. on. Ooh. He's into it, though. They're kinky that way. <laughs> Finally, Kirk relents and Kang says, no tricks. And Kirk says, once we're aboard the ship, no tricks. Uh-huh. Ah, trick! <laughs> That's a trick! Why did he have to specify that? Because, obviously... He calls Spock and he wants him to beam everybody up in the vicinity. And then he does a sneaky little button push. And then Spock, he knows, oh, okay, we're, we're doing a trick. That's more like it. Glad to hear the tech's got features like that now. Yeah. When they beam up, just the Starfleet guys are beamed in. And the Klingons are stuck in transit, just floating around as molecules in the transporter buffer. Mm-hmm. Chekhov wants to let them die in there. But Kirk has them beam in. When security arrives. They beam in the Klingons without their guns. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. So they can do that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they don't do it more often, but yeah. you know, whatever. It still seems unlikely that three red shirts can keep five Klingons under control. But even have... with faces. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, since Klingon Cruiser is shooting off so much radiation because it's so heavily damaged, Kirk decides to beam the survivors over. And one of the survivors is Mara, the science officer, and Kang's wife. Mostly just Kang's wife. Well, as it will transpire. Well, you know, I put her profession above her marital status. She's actually a commander. Oh, well, there you go. We wouldn't know it. <laughs> Outside of Star Trek, <laughs> Howard is best known for playing Donna Culver Krebs on primetime soap opera Dallas from 1979 through 1987. Ooh, that's a long run. Yeah. Uh, this role actually began with a single guest appearance in 1979, but the producers liked her performance so much that they asked her to return, and she played the character for an additional eight years. Whoa. She rolled a one-day gig into an eight-year gig? Yeah. She's something. That's talent. She probably acts and looks better without all that weird makeup on. <laughs> all the other Klingons have died. Ooh, I missed this at the time. I thought a second group from the planet had been automatically beamed in. Also, I didn't realize that 400 people have been killed. Mm. Hmm. Well, Mara is worried that they will be tortured for information, but Kirk says, baby, we're the Federation. We don't do that. But she's been influenced by propaganda perhaps all her life. Your death camp, she talks about. Yeah. That was really interesting to me. Yeah. Mm. 
to hear another perspective on the Federation. Yeah. So Kirk orders the Klingons to be kept in the crew lounge and not the brig, and for the food synthesizers to be programmed with Klingon dishes. Oh, that's nice hosting, isn't it? <laughs> so some Klingon foods include Brigitte Lung. I don't know how to say it. Which is various, any kind of animal lungs or gah. Nice pronunciation. <laughs> oh, thank you. Is a Klingon delicacy made from serpent worms. Yeah. Although most Klingons prefer it live, it could also be served stewed or cold. Mm. That's a cold lunch. <laughs> Allegedly, the actual taste of gah was revolting even to Klingons and was eaten solely for the unique sensation of their death row spasms within one's mouth and stomach. Oh, Ooh, that's badass. <laughs> Lots more organ and blood-based dishes and drinks, including, you'll be pleased to know, coffee, iced or hot. Right. Yeah, there you go. They're not savages. No. After the Klingons are escorted away, Spock says the Klingons were too far away when they got the distress signal, so they couldn't have done it. Hmm. And McCoy is in super racist mode, and he is sure that the Klingons have done it. Mm -hmm. The light being seems to have beamed onto the ship too, or it's snuck on somehow, whatever their powers are, and it's prowling around the ship, going through walls and down corridors. Uhura's got an awesome hairdo. I know we're a bit obsessed with hair in this <laughs> show, but hey, <laughs> that's well, how it is. But actually, hairstyles do change quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And if you look at an 80s television show, those oh, hairstyles yeah. are off the hook. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I think it's okay to kind of point out the hairstyles because of its time period. Yeah, that's the only thing I've ever not liked about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. When they had Hitchcock and Scully back in the 80s. Oh, right. The hair wasn't 80s enough. No, it wasn't. Come on. Yeah, they look too good. Could have gone to town on that. Uhura gets very frustrated about not being able to get a hailing signal. And she's standing and gesticulating as though she's not herself, which I'm guessing is foreshadowing of what's to come. Yeah, she kind of flips out a little bit. Uh, their communications are blocked, so they can't reach out to Starfleet. And once the Klingons are safely on board, they destroy the damaged ship. Mm. In the lounge, the Klingons are trying to think of a way out and King is on full anti-Kirk mode. Ugh, Kirk is so stupid that he went to the dentist to get a Bluetooth device. <laughs> he does not. Kirk is so <laughs> ugly that he makes the onion cry. <laughs> Kirk is so foolish that he thinks a batleth is where you lie when you want to have a nice read with some candles and call music. What? <laughs> What's that? Batleth? Oh, it sounds a bit like bow. Yeah. That All was, right, but what was, is a batleth? Though? That's the, the Klingon weapon. Oh, yeah. You know, when we were on BBC America, that was hanging on the wall, oh, the kind right. of the curved sword yeah. thingamajiggy. Oh, okay. That's a battle. <laughs> well, anyway, while that's going on, the crew is losing control of the Enterprise. It goes to warp nine and Ooh. it starts heading out of the galaxy. Again. again. Scotty can't make heads nor tails of it. Scotty's hair. It's back. Although it's not as bad as it used no, to be. It's cut really, really short. Combed forwards. Yeah, but I mean, it's got like a, barely an inch of it to yeah. come forwards where it doesn't have the big long swoop. Yes, that's better. Not as good as swooped back. No. But better than greasy hair twins. I Honestly, I think I'm, I actually like it better. <gasps> yeah. Because combing it back did look a little odd to me for some reason. No way. And this, I think, looks tight. Toit. Toit. Also, 400 crew members have been trapped by sealed bulkheads. Bulkheads? Bulkheads are just the uh, inside walls of a ship that set her up, but also doors. And sometimes bulkheads can be slid into place, you know, especially in space. If the environment is compromised, the outer hull, then mm. the bulkheads can slide into place and seal it up. Right. So you so, need those. To but for some reason, they're not opening up. Something is controlling the ship. Ooh. Kirk thinks the Klingons are responsible. So he goes down to question King. And of course, King denies it. Then Kirk says he owes King something. And then he sucker punches him. Whoa. What are the Organians going to do about this? They are not going to be happy about it. No. 
Then random objects in the room start changing into swords. <gasps> Bing! And then the security guys draw their phasers, and then they turn into swords as well. Whoa. Bing! <laughs> and then they just all fight. They all seem to have had lessons in sword fighting. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so Kirk and the security guards escape with Johnson getting seriously injured. Then they take him to sick bay. The Klingons are now free to roam. So Kirk goes into a turbo lift. Which is now voice activated. And Oh, yeah. And heads to the bridge. He doesn't have to do the little handle yeah. thing, does he? Kirk lets them all know what's going on. And they got those. They got to get those trapped crew members free at all costs. Engineering is trying to shut the ship down, but they can't for some reason. Mm. They are are also surprised the ship hasn't destroyed itself. Oh, why? Because Warp 9 should be burning it out really fast, but it's not. So Spock is like, dude, Klingons can't turn stuff into swords. (laughs) And if they could, why would they make weapons for the Federation guys as well? Yeah. So Kirk orders Sulu to take control of engineering and auxiliary control. And and Chekhov goes nuts. And he says he has to avenge the death of his brother who was killed by Klingons. Whoa, Chekhov's going rogue. So he runs off. And then Sulu's just standing there and he goes, um... Yeah, you know, he doesn't have a brother. He's an only child. <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> oh, hey, you're an only child. <laughs> yeah, takes one to no one. Oh. But I'm really surprised that Kirk lets him get away with this. He disobeys a direct order to let Sulu do this. And he just rushes off to do it himself. Yeah, I guess there's just so much going on to deal with an AWOL dude is mm-hmm. just too much to handle. Yeah, really? Or it's part of the mind control that's affecting Kirk to let mm. him fight. I don't know. Maybe. In sickbay, McCoy goes up to racist level 11 <laughs> and focuses on the Klingons. He rants like a granddad at a tavern on a Saturday morning. Is that what <laughs> happens at Grumpy Old Men's Club? <laughs> I'm just saying if your granddad is over at the tavern at 10 a.m. Yeah. drinking. Yeah, he's not. He's he probably No, he's no, probably. Not my granddad. Not your granddad. No. I'm saying a, a granddad, <laughs> probably a bit racist. Yeah, I say someone's seedy uncle or a great uncle kind of thing. I don't sure. know. Yeah. Yeah. Chris goes for coffee with my dad and his friends every Saturday morning. So I just wondered if there was a link there. What have you seen? No. No. No, it's no. not like that. <laughs> We're drinking coffee. It's <laughs> sophisticated. Yeah. Klingons drink coffee. Wait, is it Ractuccino? Is that what it's called? Is that Klingon coffee? <laughs> I think it is. Well, on Deep Space Nine, they're always drinking Ractuccino. Ractuccino. Which I think is Klingon coffee. That's I have so to look that up. Silly. So the Klingons, they take over auxiliary control. They get the layout of the Enterprise. Mara points out that there is an equal number of Klingons as there is Federation guys that are free on the ship. Yeah. Kang says that they can beat the Starfleet guys with even numbers, and he plans on taking over engineering. I'll bet you anything it's not Ractuccino. Uh, not anything. I'll bet you five pounds. Okay. It can't end in Chino, can it? Yeah. Can it? No, Ractuccino is a thing for sure. <laughs> Whether or not it's the Klingon coffee, which I think it is a Klingon coffee. So they've got even numbers now because the others are still trapped. So that's good writing, isn't it? They've yeah. made sense of this to even the playing field. Yeah. Although no one except the best friends gang ever does anything effective <laughs> anyway. Sure. But hey, I get it. Scott is in the armory, but all the weapons have been turned into spears and swords and things like that. And they can't get through the bulkheads to get to the rest of the crew as none of their equipment is working properly. Scotty picks up a cavalry saber and says that it's a claymore. And it is not a claymore. <laughs> It has a handguard on it. Claymores <laughs> don't have handguards on them. Oh, drinkles. Come no, on, they should know. Get it right. Who's the weapons guy on this show? The Klingons attack and they take over engineering. Scotty's sword fights two Klingons off until Zulu steps in with a very forceful and precise neck chop. He's back. Yeah. But apparently in this episode, he's not under the influence of anything. This is just him being a badass. Yeah. He's the only one who doesn't get possessed, as it turns out later. I Influenced. Seems to be. 
On the bridge, Spock has detected some alien life force. Mm. Spock asks the ship's computer to identify it. Incorrect. Did we already know that was Major Barrett? Oh, I know that Major Barrett is the voice of the computer on Next Gen, but I didn't realize that she did the voice of the original computer. Mm, that's what I saw. Oh, right. Well, it's probably true. Uncredited. Oh, yes. I think before she died, they recorded her doing the phenome stuff so that they have like her voice recorded so that they can, using artificial intelligence, make her voice actually be the voice of computers in the future. And make it say anything. Yeah. Oh. Which I think is really cool. Maybe someday my Google Home mm -hmm. can talk like the Star Trek computer. Keep that dream alive. We need dreams these days. <laughs> we sure do. <laughs> the computer says that it is yet another energy being, but it is intelligent and it seems to have some kind of purpose or mm. intent. Kirk suspects that this energy being is the one that's causing all the problems, but why is it? Kirk wants to make a truce to the Klingons, but they never make truces once blood is drawn. Now McCoy shows up and is racist ranting about Klingons. Kirk tries to explain to him that this is the energy being that's causing all these problems, but he just won't listen. McCoy's possessed, but he's not that different from his usual self. That's what I was thinking. Uh, lots of great shouting. Kane calls up to the bridge and says they have captured engineering and they have shut off life support to everywhere else. <gasps> Kane says that they will die of suffocation in the icy cold of space. Ooh. The bridge light darkens and it's very dramatic lighting here. It's a lot of hard light with hard shadows. Yeah. Kirk has Sulu leave to try and take over the manual controls of the ship. Scott, he comes in half as racist as McCoy. <laughs> so pretty racist. <laughs> yeah. And then starts getting into it with Spock. Keep your fucking hands off me. Just keep away. Your feelings might be hurt. Your green blooded half breed. May I say that I have not thoroughly enjoyed serving with humans. I find their illogic and foolish emotions a constant irritant. Then transfer out, freak! Summer! Spock! 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 Stop it! You're half human! During this, Spock asserts his superior strength over Scotty and has to be stopped. And then they all regain control, just like that. Classic. Yeah. Spock suspects this hostility is being created by the energy being. I like how he suggested it was the effects of stress. And Kirk said, we've been under stress before. Boy, have they. Yeah. <laughs> but never at each other's throats. Yeah. Well, a few times they have. But <laughs> usually under the power of something else. Right. They realise that race hatred is a large part of what's being imposed on them. And they are like pawns in mm. something's device. Sure. In the Jeffrey's tube, Sulu says everything should work, but it's not working. And then all of a sudden, it just starts working on its own. Mm. The Klingons don't understand why everything is working now, because they had shut everything down and now it's back on. So they think that they've been outmaneuvered by Kirk. Kang has Mara go up to life support couplings so that she can manually disable them and sends one Klingon guard with her. Kirk and Spock try to track down the energy being in the ship, so they're just kind of creeping around the halls. Chekhov is also creeping around and he attacks the Klingon guard with Mara. He seems like he's going to kill her, but then he gets full on rapey. He even rips the top of her shirt. How does that fit into race hatred? Rape used as a weapon of war? Yeah. Because he hates the Klingons? This just got real dark at this yeah. point. It was like, you know, 
it's kind of some fun dramatic stuff but when it goes there it, it gets really bad not a little Chekhov too yeah so Kirk shows up in time pulls Chekhov off Mara and then he slaps the shit out of him yeah. like just over and over again Spock has to pull Kirk off reminding him Chekhov is not in control of himself Kirk offers Mara a truce but she doesn't trust Kirk Kirk picks up Chekhov and he carries him like a little baby oh effortlessly <laughs> They bring Chekhov to sickbay and McCoy says his brain waves are going crazy and that Johnson, the guy mortally wounded before, is now almost totally healed. Whoa. Everyone that has come in is healing at superhuman rates. Spock deduces that the alien entity wants them to fight, but also wants them to stay alive to keep fighting. Mm-hmm. Spock, Kirk, and Mara go off to look for the energy being. I hate her look. Her skin looks like it's breaking out and shining, but then also <laughs> dull. And she's got this awful rat's tail hairdo. Do you think she plucks her bushy Klingon eyebrows? (laughs) I do love the costume though. Sparkly shorts, jumpsuit over PVC trousers. This is the only time we see Klingon uh, women Hmm. on the original series. Aw, come on. They stumble across the energy being and Lieutenant Johnson, he shows up and he's totally healed and ready to fight. And Kirk tells him, go back to sickbay. And he goes, I'm not going to go. I want to fight. And so Kirk and him start fighting and then Spock just nerve pinches Johnson and he goes out. Spock notices, he goes, you know, when you guys were fighting that thing, that energy being got brighter Mm -hmm. and when you stopped fighting the light of it got weaker. So he comes to the conclusion that the thing feeds on hate and aggression and to defeat it they have to make peace with the Klingons. Oh, We've had similar before, the one where everyone gets baked so that Ghost Jack the Ripper can't feed on their fear. Right. But why can they just overcome it here? They don't need to get tranquilized or anything uh yeah i don't i don't know kirk gets on the horn with king and tries to arrange a meeting but mara yells it's a trick why i think she still doesn't trust him scott calls kirk and tells him that their dilithium crystals are going to burn out in 12 minutes and that they will be dead in space after that mara is starting to be converted but not yet captain's log star date armageddon must find a way to defeat the alien force of hate that has taken over the Enterprise. Stop the war now or spend eternity in futile, bloody violence. Stargate Armageddon? Yeah. And eternity? Ooh. How are they going to spend eternity? They're, they're losing their dilithium crystals, their power. Oh, yeah. They've only got 12 minutes. <laughs> That's not eternity, is <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> no. I don't understand why he says Make that. Make your mind up. So Scotty says that they should threaten to kill Mara if Kang doesn't turn the ship over to them. I guess he means the war will continue beyond the Enterprise between the two races, does he? Well, they're nowhere near any of that stuff, I guess, unless the energy being can get back to there. So they might never know what went down. I mean, we don't know if this thing can go warp speed or not, because if it can, it's going to be stuck out in that region of space. Kirk is desperate, and he's a bit off of his nut, so he tries this tactic of saying, I'm going to kill Mara if you don't surrender. And King just says, she knew the risks. Kill her. Oh, like the guy in the movie. What movie? Star Trek 3. Star Trek 3. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They should know the Klingons better than this, I would have thought. I guess they're just getting to know the Klingons. I thought Spock would have plenty of intel. Sure, yeah. He knows about 1880s Earth or whatever. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> they're really desperate, though. You know, they've got yeah. like, what, 10 minutes now before right. everything goes south? Kirk realizes his bluff was called, and this surprises Mara. Because he's like, oh, I'm not going to kill you. That was mm. a bluff. And this is finally the turning point for her. She mm. realizes that they are not these horrible monsters. Yeah, or and, at least he's not. Yeah. So she agrees to help them. Now they can't get to King without fighting a bunch of guys. So Kirk decides to do a site to site transport. Something very common in Next Gen, but not done very often on the old Trek. In fact, this is the only time they do it. It's dangerous, but they have only minutes left. So you're talking here about beaming in the ship. 
So yeah. they're not beaming mm-hmm. to the transporter pad. They're beaming from one location to another location. Yeah. yeah. And supposedly that's more dangerous than beaming to an unknown planet because they could end up in a wall or something, <laughs> which you've said loads of times before. Yeah, it's, it's true. That mm. doesn't really make any sense. In fact, you would think it would be more safe because they know the layout of the ship. Yeah. So anyway. It's a cool new concept. Sure, anyway. sure. They beam in, but Kang is crazed and he and Kirk fight. And then the Starfleet guys come in and fight. And everybody now is Kirk Fu fighting. <laughs> Yay, everybody is Kirk Fu fighting. With swords. Oh. <laughs> the energy being is watching this and it's glowing brightly, totally getting off on it. Oh, yeah. Kirk is trying to persuade Kang and finally he just throws down his weapon and says, kill me. I'll just heal and this will never end. Oh. And Kang is totally freaked out by Kirk's behavior on this and he finally starts to listen. It was a great speech, I thought. Shatner delivered it well. Yeah. Mm, well written. Now they all see this energy being and Kirk and Kang tell everybody to stop fighting and they just yell at this thing, this energy being, and laugh at it <laughs> as it leaves. Cessation of violence appears to have weakened it, Captain. I suggest that good spirits might make an effective weapon. Get off my ship. You're a dead duck here. You're powerless. We know about you. And we don't want a plane. Maybe... Maybe there are others like you around. Maybe you've caused a lot of suffering. A lot of history, but that's all over. We'll be on guard now. We'll be ready for you. So ship out. Come on, haul it. Out already. (laughs) Out. We need no urging to hate humans. For the present, only a fool fights in a burning house. Out. Oh, so they're not just laughing to be bullies. It's a mirth attack. Yeah. It slinks off in disgrace. It's good to have an excuse to end the episode and everyone laughing instead of just having everyone laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. And that concludes the episode. All right. Concepts. Instantaneous transmutation of matter. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Swords coming out of 3D chessboards or whatever they were. Swords coming out of phases. Mm -hmm. Something's happened to the metal trapping the crew people. Yeah. We had people healing fast because it was a game. What a creep. Yeah. Awesome though. Possessing them with race hatred. So instead of that just being what comes out when they get angry, Mm -hmm. it was perhaps specifically race hatred, which was very interesting. Right, right. Being able to overcome the anger once they realized it. Very silly. Mm. And also if it can possess them with hatred, why does it need to kill 400 Klingons and wreck their ship to get the fight started? Or maybe somehow get them to fight each other? Because they did get the Enterprise crew starting to fight each other. But maybe that's because there was race differences, you know, with Spock. And it seems like they can influence them, but they can't. But then again, they programmed Chekhov with a brother that he never had. Yeah, that's true. So if they can do that, then... Hmm, We didn't need to kill 400, surely. Come on, light being. I give it an eight. I thought the concepts were interesting. However, nothing really new. You know, we've not, got a, maybe not new to you, but new to this franchise. They've had things turn into other things all the time. Um, what Trelane has uh, changed stuff into other things. You know, they've mm-hmm. had omnipotent energy yeah. beings. So, like that's all been done before. We haven't beamed within the ship. <laughs> they haven't beamed within the ship. But again, that doesn't really ratchet up the concept rating for yeah. me. Yeah, we have had advanced beings making them fight yeah. before to get off on. Uh-huh. Yeah, quite a yeah. lot. Yeah, but it was still interesting that there was this energy being that 
was fueled by emotion or at least entertained by it. We don't know if it was actually drawing power, as Spock speculated, or if it was just mm-hmm. something that it liked. I give it a six for concepts. It's a slightly more than, than average. And actually, there was something that I was a little unclear of. Was there actually ever a colony at mm-hmm. the very beginning? Starfleet should know, really, shouldn't they? Yeah. If there was or wasn't. They should have had some records or something. But when they got there, there was no ruins, there was no bodies, there was no any mm. sign of battle. So it seemed like there wasn't one. But then again, mm. if the energy being can trick them, and maybe that was just a big trick that there was never even a colony there. Yeah. But they don't really address that. Entertainment. From Tor.com. Yeah. Once again, we have a script that takes the raised budget of the third season and puts it to good use. Mm. The contrivances of the story are actually made part of the story, arranged by the swirly thing to further its agenda. So the limited number of crew, the edged weapons, no special effects, the use almost entirely of standing sets, plus the generic empty planet set. And it's all in service of the plot while still saving money. Yeah. I admire that. Yeah. Good job, Tor.com. <laughs> yes, thank you. Lots of fighting, sword fighting, Kirk, foo, chops, pinches, mm-hmm. a slinking about light being on top of it all. Was it more fun that it happened on the ship, sword to sword, mm-hmm. rather than a space battle? Do you yeah. enjoy that more? Oh, yeah. Angry acting? Nah. Mm. It's entertaining. It is entertaining. It's not necessarily convincing or... Yeah. Good, but yeah. yeah, I enjoy it. Good to see Scotty and Spock involved too. Mm-hmm. The negotiations with the Klingons and Mara's role in it seemed a bit jumbled to me. Mm. I had a bit of a hard time figuring out what their plans were, what they were trying to do. Did you not? No. No. It seemed pretty clear to me. She's a commander, but her role was to be the target of rape and a hostage wife. Yeah. Mm. Still, I give it an eight. Yeah, it was really well paced. There was a lot going on. They kept upping the stakes each scene. I thought it was really good. And I didn't even think about the fact that it was all on the ship and that it was mm-hmm. a budget. Now that they say that, of course, it was a, a low budget episode, but yeah. they really did the best they could with what they had. And it, it shows. So I give this a, a high rating of eight. All right. What did you think of Kang? I like that actor a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been in lots of TV in the 60s and 70s. And uh, he even shows up again in Star Trek later as a different character. And actually this character, again, the three original Klingons from the original series show up in Deep Space Nine because Klingons live longer than humans because it's 75 years in the future. So you enjoyed him? I did enjoy him, yeah. Yeah, it was a good match for Kirk. I thought so, yeah. Sexiness. Uh At least Uhura was there more, even if just hanging around and never leaving her desk. She got really mad. Yeah, that was not much of a moment, was it? Kind of exciting. Yeah, overacting. (laughs) (laughs) But that was... Because she was possessed, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Kirk carrying Chekhov was kind of hot. <laughs> After saving <laughs> Mara. <laughs> the rapey stuff and the greasy makeup was not. Yeah. 1.5 out of 5. Yeah, I give it a 1. Because mm. the rapey stuff just really freaks me out. I don't like that. Casual rapiness. I think it was dramatically important. It's just, there's sort of a pulpy quality to Star Trek. That when they pull something in like that, it really makes it serious. I suppose the function of it was that then she had a ripped dress and it looked obvious to Kang that she had been mistreated by right. them. It really hard for her to convince him otherwise right. and trust them. Yeah, okay. So my guess is driven by a distress call into the neutral zone. Distress call, but not into the neutral yeah. zone. Sure. Peaceful aliens who refuse to defend themselves so Kirk defends them. No. A space battle after on-planet negotiations. No. Very bad. Yeah. The thing is there's not very many space battles in the original series because they're expensive mm. to do with the special effects. Oh, yeah. So they really shy away from that stuff. And if it does happen, it's mostly off screen. Never thought about it that way. 
Thank you to our beautiful patrons for supporting us and keeping this show going. Without your support and your membership, this show would not continue to be. Yeah. And such wonderful things that your patronage is bringing to the world are going to be our bonus content episode on Prime Directive. Yeah, that's been released. And coming up soon with Captain Eric Vallone, MD, we're going to be covering Incubus. Yeah, that's next month, the month of May. Not sure about that, but I'm looking forward to seeing Shatner in another role. Yeah. Well, of course, uh, see him performing in Esperanto. Indeed. That's going to be very exciting. Uh, Our next regular episode is going to be covering the original series episode called For the World is Hollow and I Have Touched the Sky. Ooh, goodness. I think that's like the longest title of Star Trek, maybe of any television episode ever. That's ballsy. I like that. (laughs) And with that... I'm Rachel Lackey. I'm Chris Lackey. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek. Star Trek!